0: Welcome back to another edition of covered in glory and Brett. It is the last one. The last time we are going to talk about the premier league until boxing day, because for the first time in, uh, in history, we are going to break up the domestic season. We are going to stop down for about six weeks in order to let the greatest single sporting event in the world take place. And we are only a week away. How are you feeling?
1: Oh, I, I mean, there are so many reasons why we shouldn't be excited, but I can't help but do it. I was watching the video of Matt Turner kind of talking about his story, and it was giving me goosebumps, like he's talking about 2010 and how he watched it with his friends, and that kind of put him on his path, and now he's a starting goalkeeper for the U.S. team, and I, it just got me ready, baby. I was, I was excited. I was smiling here to ear. I was like, man, this is what it's all about. I can't wait.
0: Yeah. Well, I mean, this is a really weird show for us to do this week. So I hope we're all friends. Now you might give us a little bit of a hall pass, like no matter how much you love your job or you love school or you love anything else that like last day before vacation, when you're just staring at the clock, you're not doing your best work. You're not your most productive. <laughs> you're not going to get the most things done. You're not the most attentive person. So we're going to get through these games just like the players are. Cause you think we're distracted all of them been yeah. named to national team squads and have to get on a flight next week. And they're still having to play a game this week, which is, uh, as we're talking about, unprecedented. So let's stare at that clock together. But before we do, Brett, uh, one tip for the audience. So we are going to be doing a lot of World Cup content. We'll be with you uh, each kind of set of games, you know, for before, before the first uh, set in the pool play, second set, third set, then each round of the knockout rounds. We'll, of course, be diving deep into the Stars and Stripes and then talking about a lot of the other games we want. So we're not going anywhere, folks. You can't get rid of us that easily. We will be here for the World Cup. Uh, But I wanted to talk about one World Cup thing before next week, just in case you want to do it, which is my actual favorite way to gamble against my friends for the World Cup. I don't know if you have a favorite way, Brett, or you just stick to more solo action, you and your spreadsheets. But every- I my spreadsheets. I don't have
1: friends. You're my only <laughs> friend.
0: <laughs> oh, man,
1: you assume too much.
0: Uh, so in the last <laughs> 20 years, I've done this pool every single time for the World Cup, which is you get uh, either three of your friends or seven of your friends. It's very important that you have either four or eight. And then sit around at a table, you take a hundred dollars and then you have an auction and you have to auction off all 32 teams. That's why you have to have either four or eight participants, because the entire key is you can't just spend ninety six dollars on Brazil Uh, and then not have a penalty at the end. Every team's going to get auctioned off. So if you overspend at the beginning, hello, Iran, hello, uh, Cutter, hello, like some of the also-rans that are going to really drag down your portfolio. And then the scoring is really simple. You could do it in Excel. It's just three points for every win, one point for every draw, zero points for a loss. However many points you accumulate over the month, that person gets the pot, play for uh, play for pints like we do, play for, you know, a little bit of steaks, pay for gummy bears, play for whatever you want. But it is incredibly fun and incredibly easy to administer. And I encourage anybody uh, within the sound of my voice to get a couple of pals and do this because I've never had anyone do it and say, oh, I wish we hadn't you know gone through with that. And it makes a Russia versus, you know, whoever game in 2018 a whole lot more interesting.
1: I love it. That that's great. I might have to steal that, but I need friends first. So I'll I'll try to go on Twitter and just talk to all the new blue verified check marks and see if they'll be my friend.
0: (laughs) Oh, it's gonna be embarrassing when you get beat by seven bots.
1: (laughs) Yes, that that must be the ultimate sadness in my life, right there.
0: (laughs) All right. So with that little tip, uh, do that this week before we are back next week doing our World Cup preview and uh, diving into the first round of games. But we got one last little bit of business in the Premier League, Brett. So you want to rip through one last week of action before we are off to the granddaddy of them all.
1: Oh, yeah. Like you said, it's that, it's that last day before break. But let's do it. All right. Well, we, we don't have
0: any um, big six matchups this week, but that does bring us to our most important thing to talk about. Is it still a big six, Brett? Because we have Newcastle third at 27 points versus Chelsea, seventh at 21 points. This game is Saturday at 1230 p.m. Newcastle is plus 127. Caesars is plus 210. The draw is plus 235. Our friends at Caesars have Newcastle minus half a goal at plus 130 and Chelsea minus 170 to get a result. Uh, All right, Brett. All right, Brett. We've teased it for several weeks. In fact, I've been teasing it for a year. I think it's time. I think it's finally time to pronounce the age of the big six is over. All hail the age of the big seven. They might have despicable owners, but how can you keep them out at this point? They are third in goals generated. They are first in goals against. They're also first in clean sheets. They're third in uh, XG. They're doing everything necessary to prove that they are not a fluke. They are not a one-game wonder. They are setting off on this run of sustained excellence. They have incredibly rich owners. They have a large storied stadium. They have an actual history. And I feel like we're watching Manchester City like be be born again out of the primordial ooze and a copy of them is taking over the league. Eventually they're just going to be Spider-Man pointing at each other, and the rest of us are going to be fighting for scraps. <laughs> Trivier, Bruno, Almiron, all among the best in their positions this year. They have plenty of reserves uh, in finance. They're not having all that hard of a time recruiting, despite the sport washing. They're clearly the third best team after 14 games. And I see no reason they're going to regress this year. I see no reason they're going to regress in future campaigns. So it might take a little bit while more for the rest of the soccer world to recognize it. But I am saying right here, right now, that the Big 7 has arrived. What do you think?
1: Yeah, I mean, this is I mean, this has been kind of our underlying tone. And every time we've talked about them, you know, for the last at least last couple of months, um, I definitely wasn't expecting it to come along this quickly. Um, I think part of the reason that they're accelerated into this conversation into breaking up this top six monopoly or maybe just replacing United as a six team um, is, uh, you know, they, they don't have the European competitions and in a schedule that's as congested as this right now, that's going to be a massive advantage. Um, so I think it's going to be part of the reason why we are looking at them seriously, as the a champions league contender, why I think their ceiling might even be as high as second Um like this is, it's, it's an inevitability, right? Like we knew this was going to happen when money with, from these state sponsored clubs, like comes in, it's an inevitability before they become good. The timeline has shifted, but like, I think they're there now. Um, they're like, you, you mentioned all the numbers, like they're third in XG difference per 90 in the premier league. And there's a pretty big gap between them and Brighton and fourth. Um, they're not going to really have that many players that are going to be run down by the world cup. Like Trippier is going to England. Colin Wilson got called up. Um, Bruno Guimarães is going to be obviously playing for Brazil, but like other than that, like most of this team is going to have like a little bit of a break or they're not going to play that much for the national teams. Um, so, I mean, they could go into the second half and just be a buzz th- saw, uh, you know, through the league. And then all of a sudden we're looking at them in second place by the time the year ends.
0: Yeah, I, I think we'll probably open uh, after the World Cup, after that excitement dwindles out, our next show about the Premier League. We'll do some futures and what we like for, uh, after the restart. And I haven't looked at the Newcastle features quite yet, but I guarantee I'm going to be all over them. Like, I almost don't care what the number is. There's there's no reason to believe that they are going to suddenly, like, fall way off. And it's wild to think that uh, this time last year I was telling you that they weren't going to get relegated, and you disagreed with me. I don't know if you want to drag that all that ancient history back up. <laughs> uh, but they've come so far so fast. They made a couple of key signings, and their manager has been way better than expected. I mean, did you ever expect yeah. this out of
1: him? Eddie Howe, Eddie Howe has been way better. Um, I mean, the, the the one thing, too, been talking about that relegation thing from last year, is they have really been able to hit on every single signing. And then we mentioned it in a uh, recent podcast that, you know, guys like Elmeron have gotten just gotten better. Like Elmeron was look, looking like a dude that was a Premier League bust. You know, we were probably going to see him out of the league. He was going to be playing for some random mid table, like French team or something. Um, and now he's a, he's an integral part of what they're trying to do. So uh, I, a lot of that, you know, I mean, there's a million factors that go into these things, um, but uh, part of, part of that has to be with the way that how is structured, this team, how he's in um, kind of like empower these guys to maybe be the best versions of themselves. Um, that internal development is definitely something that you always probably link back at least a little bit to the manager. Um, but overall, they've been really structured. They have a clear identity of what they're trying to do. They've been really good defensively, which was kind of like how's like downfall at Bournemouth. Um, but, you know, looking back at Bournemouth now, that team didn't have a ton of resources. The players just weren't that good. And, you know, managers for the most part, like they don't move the needle unless they're pepper Klopp or, you know, a handful of others, maybe. Um, so I think how has a good enough pieces. We're seeing a little bit more of like what he can do when he has the resources behind him. And yeah, I mean, this, it's been surprising. I, I, I never thought I'd be like sitting here like Eddie Howe's going to manage the Champions League team. I thought he was kind of like the bridge to like getting them to respectability and then somebody else is going to come and take over, but he's the guy now.
0: <laughs> yeah. Well, I think one of the most impressive things about their season thus far and the way they're building it is not the players they've necessarily signed, which have been impressive and their hit rate has been incredible. It's been avoiding like the high profile disasters that yeah. could have sunk the team down. And so, like, often a Nouveau rich club like So, basically,
1: this, the Manchester United school of signing yeah, players.
0: <laughs> no, I mean, exactly right. I mean, like, United had their sustained run of success. And so, you know, you can't take away all their history. But uh, when money comes into a club like this and, you know, the sport washing commences, is like, I I will admit, we saw it at Chelsea, you know, 20 years ago, right? Like five or six massive signings, And then some of them worked out and some of them didn't. And a lot of them were bought for profile, like the Shevchenkos of the world. Um, but they haven't done that. Like they often come up in rumors like, okay, well that's where Ronaldo is going to end up or Pulisic is unhappy at Chelsea and he's been underperforming, but they'll be happy to have him for commercial purposes or whatever it might be. They're not making commercial purposes signings. They have signed really smart talent, plug them in, let them coalesce and avoided bringing in guys that could absolutely tank that chemistry and tank that process. So I, I think what they haven't done in many ways is just as important is what they have done.
1: Agreed. Yeah, a wholeheartedly agree. I mean, and just the practicality of like what they did too. you know, when the ownership group came in, this team was looking like they were destined to be relegated. And what did they do? Like they didn't go out and design like the biggest big name defender. Like they got in Dan burn and like Trippier was kind of on the outset at Atletico, you know, so they bring in these guys that just kind of stabilized the defense that were upgrades over the, you know, probably championship level talent that they had there. And that was it. Like it wasn't anything super flashy. It wasn't everything super exciting. They just brought in better players than the guys that were currently there. It stabilized them, and then they moved forward from that.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's watch somebody. It's weird to watch somebody with unlimited funds like successfully Moneyball, right? Like, yeah. I, they're the opposite of Chelsea. Chelsea just keeps throwing, you know, bucking $200 million at a transfer window and hoping it all works out. And they're just not making it <laughs> as strategical purposes as, like, Newcastle, who actually has the money to do so. So do you think going forward, like, we'll see this model continue? Do you think we'll see, see them? I mean, nobody hits 100% on all their signings, right? So eventually they're going to have some people not work out. They're not always going to get... Uh, this goal that they keep panning. But, I mean, are they? you think they'll be more like a Liverpool where they're plugging in three or four smart signings and two of them are hitting and then rinse-wash-repeat, transfer window after transfer window, and suddenly you have a juggernaut? Do you think they're going to eventually say, oh, now that we have proof that we can compete, now here's our Chelsea window where we buy everyone not nailed down? Do you think it's going to be like City where it's somewhere in between those things? How do you think they're going to move forward to, to um, have staying power? And if they do, do you agree with me that, like, this is a big 7 unless one of the historic 6 falls out.
1: Yeah, I know. I mean, I think to answer the first thing, yes. Absolutely this is a big 7 until unless we see something where the bottom falls out at one of the the current big 6. Um but I but I also think that you know, if you have to judge them by the pattern that we've seen so far. And and really like, you know, Alexander Isaac he's been hurt um, you know, you know when he came over from real sociodad, he was supposed to be like their big, flashy attacking and signing. Um, but so we don't really know. That could be like one of their misses. I, I think the the answer to our question is going to be if they finish top four, which in my opinion, they're favored to do at this point. If they finish top four, how do they approach it then when they have the lure of the Champions League? Are they still going to sign? the Brunos and the, and the Alexander Isaacs who are, you know, good, talented players, but like not the names or now that they have the champions league, are they just going to be throwing their cash at anybody who wants to come play champions league football in the Premier League? So I think we'll get our answer if they end up top four, my gut says they are going to, they have looked at city probably as the model, you know, and city never broke the bank. Like when you look at all the massive transfer fees, even with Holland, they are not up there with any of their players. Like they didn't spend the Dembele money, the Coutinho money, the Pogba money, like none of that stuff ever happened with them. And we saw in Barcelona, like what that did to Barcelona, where they just threw massive transfer fees at like every player. And that stuff didn't really work out. So I think this, this, this ownership group, unfortunately, is smart. I mean, look, they had unlimited money. And one of the first players they bought, two players they bought were Chris Wood and Dan Byrne. And one was poaching Chris Wood from a relegation uh, Canada, a contender. And then Dan Byrne was just brought in just because he was better than the guys that they were playing. So, like that tells me that there's definitely a process going on here. I, I don't think the Champions League would change that, but you know, we we won't know until we see it.
0: All right. Well, long term, we're obviously both very bullish and very afraid of them and what they represent to the league. Although, as we often say, you know, like I'm 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 obviously a huge Chelsea fan and Newcastle's a threat to Chelsea. But I love seeing competitive fixtures up and down and having Newcastle there and having them being as good as they are just means every single Saturday and Sunday. There's another great team on the pitch to uh, to watch. And so it shows that the Premier League is the real Super League when a team like Newcastle can come in and uh and continue to raise the level of quality of play throughout, throughout the entire division.
1: Uh, Yeah. I I mean, it's not going to be great that like two state sponsored teams are probably going to be at the top of the Premier League for a while. But I mean, like you said, I think the depth, I I think my, my hope would be this team cracks the top seven and then it's going to force these other teams to really hone in on their processes and maybe get rid of some of the inefficiencies that we've seen with, the United transfer windows with the Chelsea, just throwing money at people. That would be the real hope for the positive effect of that happening.
0: Yeah. I mean, if we hadn't seen it happen at city and PSG, I'm, I would say that maybe there's some risk that players wouldn't play for a state sponsored club, but come on, like we're, we're well past no, that they're, Rubicon. They're at this just point. going to where the money they, is. At this there's point. only yeah. 10 clubs in the world that can afford, you know, the salaries that these guys want. Newcastle's now one of them. So they're yep. happy to, they're happy to play for them. Uh, so back to this game, um, I don't think it's going to be any surprise that I'm taking Newcastle over Chelsea. Chelsea is rolled over and played dead. Nobody needs the world cup stoppage more than Chelsea does right now. We've got to get back in the corner and, and try not to throw in the towel. We definitely are on a standing eight counting in between injuries and between the recent run of form. That was a horrible game against Arsenal. They got beat yesterday. They haven't, you know, looked good outside of a Connor Gallagher miracle goal, uh, in about a month. Um, and so Newcastle minus half a goal at plus one thirty. Like I all day. Newcastle at home with a plus number against like a team that, you know, two thirds of them are already on the plane in their minds that are checked out. Like I think this one could get ugly. What about you?
1: Uh yeah. I mean, I'm on the same side of the fence as you. I, I there's just nothing about Chelsea that inspires confidence right now, you know? Um, so you're talking about it's, it's just basically two teams going in opposite directions. Um and, and I I I don't, I can't really put my, I mean, we will have a probably a whole like Chelsea podcast at some point here. I can't put my finger on exactly where this slide is coming from. I really was thinking that that, that Gallagher girl that you talked about was like going to be like a positive tipping point for them. Um, but yeah, it's, it's not good. And, uh, you know, in the process of looking at the world cup rosters, cause you know, Got to Bring that, bring it around back to that one more time. Um, I was kind of shocked to see the Colin Wilson inclusion in the England squad, but then I looked at his underlying numbers and they were really good. And he had that actually inspired me for my prop bet with him because he's plus 140 in a match where Chelsea has been leaking goals, he is the best bet to score a goal, and he takes penalties for Newcastle. And there's a nice plus 140 number right there. So that yeah. was my prop, man. It was nice. Like the that. World <laughs> Cup led me to a bet. I like that
0: one quite a bit. And uh, Connor Gallagher made the England squad as well. So they are. Now, I know. I know. I have some... blessed and destined to. I advance hope you far. don't ever
1: see some of the text messages I
0: sent to certain people about that. Uh, I hope you don't see the ones I sent about it because they are pornographic uh, <laughs> for my prop. I, I think we see the game fairly the same way. Like you're taking a, a specific guy to score. I just think they're going to be plenty of goals. Like Chelsea has just so much quality that I'm not going to guarantee they're going to get blanked. And so I can easily see them putting one on the board. And once they can put one on the board and I think Newcastle still wins uh, Newcastle win and over 2.5 goals is plus 245. And wow. so I think, I think you That's can a get a two number. one you can get a 2-1 Newcastle win, or you can get a 3-0 Newcastle win because Chelsea's sliding so far, and I think that's a great number for those two scenarios. I mean, it could even be 3-1 or 4-1, but at that point, you've already cashed the ticket long ago.
1: Yeah, I mean, this definitely feels like a multiple goals against Chelsea match, and that's a really nice number for that line.
0: Okay, so let us take a quick break after we really broke down Newcastle, and we'll be back with hopefully a couple more nice numbers.
2: Your first bet with Caesars Sportsbook and Casino. It's on Caesars up to $1,250. Download the app with promo code CZRFULL and place your first bet. If you win, congrats. If you don't, you'll get it all back as a free bet. That first bet also gives you 1,000 tier credits and 1,000 reward credits, putting you closer to the types of perks Only Caesars can offer free stays, game tickets, experiences, and more. You must be physically present in Arizona, Colorado, Illinois, Indiana, Iowa, Kansas, Louisiana, Maryland, Michigan, Nevada, New Jersey, New York, Ontario, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, Virginia, West Virginia, Wyoming, and Washington, D.C. Sports betting is void in Georgia, Hawaii. Ohio and Utah and other states where prohibited. Yes, you have to know when to stop before you start. If you have a gambling problem in Illinois, Maryland, New Jersey, Virginia, West Virginia, or Pennsylvania, or if you know someone who has a gambling problem, crisis counseling and referral services can be accessed by calling 1-800-GAMBLER or in Maryland, visit Maryland Gambling, org. or West Virginia. Visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net, Arizona. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP, Colorado, DC, Nevada, Wyoming, Kansas, call 1-800-522-4700, Indiana. Call 1-800-9-WITH-IT. Iowa, call 1-800-BETS-OFF. Louisiana, call 1-877-770-STOP. Michigan, call 1-800-270-7117. New York, call 877-8-H-O-P-E-N-Y or text H-O-P-E-N-Y, that's 467-369. Or text C-O-N-N-E-X to 247-247. Tennessee, call or text Tennessee Redline 1-800-889-9789. 10 seconds on the clock. How many things can you name that are always growing? Your relationships.
0: Okay, we are back. We are heading over to Manchester City, second at 32 points versus Brentford, 11th at 16 points. This is the early game on Saturday at 7.30 a.m. City is minus 750, Brentford is plus 1750, and the draw is plus 700. Our friends at Caesars have City minus 2.5 at plus 105, and Brentford minus 135. So, uh Manchester City had a super fun game last week, having to play over an hour down a man after a moment of madness from Consuelo. Uh, it made it way more fun for me to watch. Like, you were trying to get me to turn over to that Leeds banger, but I wanted to see Manchester City, you know, down a player and we would see if it was more of an easy game against – or not easy, I'm sorry, a more equal game against Fulham. Um, and it was really, really compelling. Like, Manchester City, despite being down a man – was still was more dangerous squad still like was doing pep things like keeping the ball away from Fulham and keeping them from, getting a whole lot into attack and to see them do that, you know, with uh with that disadvantage was, it's it's kind of depressing actually to see them be able to do that it. Really so yeah. it
1: doesn't,
0: at, the, at the end of the day, it didn't matter. Fulham had an extra man because they did not have an extra Holland, and that's all that mattered once he came out of the pitch. Completely changed the game, had a, a goal almost immediately scored that was ruled for offsides. But then KDB wins a penalty. Holland actually didn't get his best penalty on it, but still managed to score and they get out of there with a 2-1 win. That was extraordinarily more difficultly earned than they expected but was still well earned at the end Um, yeah I mean
1: I gotta say one I gotta say one thing it is amazing that this team has gone down early in matches twice now against two two different teams in Copenhagen and Fulham and they somehow still end up being on the front foot in those matches it's nuts to me yeah (laughs)
0: It really is. I mean, I, I don't know. We, we talk enough about Pep, and I want to get to the World Cup, so we'll do it after the break. But just seeing <laughs> things like that is is so incredible to watch. Um, well, for this particular game, Brett, Holland's about to have a month off, so I expect him to go nuts. I expect to see an amazing game out of him. And anytime you're expecting an amazing game out of uh, that guy, then you have to like a lot of goals. And I don't think Brentford's going to score a ton, but they might get one. So the two things that I'm willing to take in this game are Manchester City minus the two and a half at plus 105. Uh, but the one I like a little bit more because Brentford might squeak one out because Manchester City tends to play with their food. You can get the over three and a half at minus 125 for my prop. And you can cover that by City going four nil or if Brentford gets one. You can get a three one win where you would lose the two and a half, but you'd win on this line.
1: Yeah, I mean, to be honest, as you'll see from my five-point where it's, like, consolidated into basically, like, three things, um, I really had a tough week trying to parse, like, where there were edges in these matches. I didn't like City covering two and a half. So Brentford is a, just a solid mid-table club. They've only been dominated, really, in one game, and it was a weird match against Villa where they gave up a penalty. Is like, 2.8 to 0.9, like the XG you know, they just got smashed basically by, by Villa. Um, it was, it, but that seemed but like an outlier. Every didn't they also ma- get
0: smashed by? didn't they get smashed by
1: Newcastle? Was it
0: in five, one to Newcastle?
1: Uh, it might've been, but it was very flattering to, uh, I'm looking, I'm, talking, I'm looking more of the underlying chances kind of thing. Oh, um, all right. But you then your spreadsheets. The, they got to go to my, my spreadsheets, man. I don't go with luck. I go, with, you know, I go with the real numbers. XG comes for us all. Um, But, but this is really the only game where they were like completely outclassed. And so that, that sitting line of minus two and a half is so high. And I get Holland's back and I get, he's just wrecking the premier league. But like, there wasn't any part of me that was like, this seems like a, a line that I feel confident in. And I hate taking spreads with a team that I feel has no win equity but here's the thing I talked myself into, and I'm sure you'll find ways to mock me for this because uh, I brought it up before, but city is now on their seventh match. This is their seventh match since October 22nd, not even three weeks. And this is their seventh match. Um, so Brentford at plus two and a half, like they got to keep it within two goals and it's only minus minus one thirty five. Like they can do that. Right. I don't yeah. know.
0: <laughs> well, right. I don't know. I <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I don't feel very strongly about either side of that. I feel more strongly about the goal total. It'll be yeah. – it- one of the underlying stories of this entire weekend is do the club team managers give any deference to the players desire to not get hurt before the world cup. And we yeah. might see some lineups that we are not expecting. And so like if kDb's out there not out there because he has a ton of miles on his legs in the last three weeks and he's about to go off and compete in the thing that he's dreamed about since he was a little boy, like maybe he's not on the pitch. And then maybe that looks better. I think it's hard to record this on Thursday or, or afternoon. Maybe some-
1: subbed off at half or maybe yeah. uh, the 60th minute. Like there's a bunch of scenarios in which, you know, they, like you said, they play conservatively. The games could be really slow paced because teams are just trying to like play really passive. So I had the under is my bet to just, Throwing that in there. Um, so I mean, I I, I agree with you, man. I, I think this is gonna be really interesting to see because we've never seen this before. Like you like we brought up before, this is completely unprecedented. These guys are a week away, like it's just hard to imagine they're gonna go full tilt into these games. Especially after what they've seen recently, right?
0: Like Reese James yeah, is not gonna miss the, the World Cup, Timo well, Monet, Ma- Ma- uh, Mane,
1: Mane is now out too. Like he yeah, just
0: Mane's missed Open. Timo just blew out his, uh, what was it, his Achilles. He's going to miss it over in the Bundesliga. Yep. Chile, like, playing in a relatively meaningless game, is now going to miss the World Cup. and most Yeah, Yoko's son. Like, like, like yeah, it, the Pogba, list is going I mean, on and on. It's Pogba going on Pogba, Pogba, and on. Yeah. So if you're Um, those players and you're a week away from the plane and representing your country, something you've always wanted to do and something you only get to do three times in your career, roughly, are they really going in late on a challenge? Like, are they really going uh, full tilt? So it's on this Thursday afternoon. It's hard to predict any of this stuff with lineups and and efforts, but underlying numbers, then I do mock you. I don't even think Brentford's mid-table. I think their most impressive uh, performance recently was against Chelsea, and that looks less impressive in retrospect (laughs) than Chelsea's current form. Well, that's all right. To East their own. Uh, Let's keep it moving, Brett, because we got a World Cup to get to. Let's it's head true. over to Tottenham versus Leeds. Tottenham fourth at 26 points versus Leeds, 12th at 15 points. This game is Saturday at 10 a.m. Uh, Caesars has Spurs at minus 170, Leeds at plus 440, the draw at plus 310. Spurs minus half a goal is minus 175, Leeds is plus 135. Uh, all right, Brett. Well, I'm going to clear out for you here. Uh, you have adopted Leeds as your new team, and they have a couple of really good performances
1: recently, even though I have uh, been mocking really them. Really good performances in super fun matches, by yes. the way. For for That's everybody a- watching, if you have not picked from a Premier League team yet, watch Leeds play. All right. Y- yes, that was,
0: that was exactly what I was about to say. They had a cracker of a game last weekend. Their recent run of games haven't just been uh, good results for them, but have been extremely entertaining Uh, it's, it's a wise move from you abandoning dull old Everton for this sexy new play. But, um, now what do you think? Like they have won back-to-back league games. have, they turned a corner or is it just a lucky run?
1: Uh, well, I mean, they, they were getting unlucky before this. I think that uh, there's, a, there's definitely a world in which these matches do not result in six points, but more like two points. Um, and they're still probably just hanging out above the relegation zone. But I mean, th- they were getting unlucky before that. I mean, they absolutely uh, obliterated Arsenal with the underlying numbers and they still lost that match one nil. Like this team is is definitely a, an upper half this is the top 10 side probably at this point um, that just wasn't getting the results. And this is another classic case though. Of they're coming into a team that is going in the wrong direction. Minus the fact that like Liverpool just really, I thought it was more Liverpool was bad in the second half. than uh, the Spurs were good. Um, I know your boy came on in the 68th minute and like cool. Just, like, that's your guy. But they, most of their shots of their 11. 11 of their 14 shots came in the second half. And most of those 11 actually came before for came on. Um, I think it was like, I think it was six or seven of them came before he actually came on the pitch. So like that was screams to me that like, this wasn't, Oh, Kulashevsky's back like Liverpool's uh, or Spurs are back. It was more like Liverpool was playing like garbage. Um, And then it it followed up by, they went to nine and forest midweek. They rolled out some of their best players. Like Kane started that match and they lost to forest. Yes, yeah. had a red card, so like this is trouble. We've talked about this with Spurs, like they're in trouble. So, I'm looking at that Leeds plus 440, baby, and I'm throwing that down one more time. Wow. I'm doubling down on this, too. Leeds scoring the first goal is plus 180, and I'm telling you what, Eric Dyer against that press would scare the living bejesus out of me if I was a Spurs (laughs) fan. So we saw the mistake that he had in Liverpool. He had another one in the Champions League against Frankfurt. I think he has been playing really, really poorly, and it might just because he's played a ton. Um, But I think this is a game where Leeds come out with a ton of energy. They've gone toe-to-toe with these big teams. We know Jesse Marsh is not going to back down or dial down the press against these teams. So I'm all in on Leeds winning, and I'm all in on Leeds' first goal. This is all leads, all the time, baby. <laughs> yeah, well, I wish
0: I could really put a um a pin in your balloon and deflate you, but I have to fade the Spurs. And so, like, regardless of who they were playing, I was probably gonna take the other side. I'm not gonna go all the way like you did. I'm not gonna go to the four four four, uh, the four forty plus four forty. But I am gonna take them at plus uh, half a goal at plus one thirty five to get a point here. did yeah, did, Kulishevsky did return. Uh, which did not you wrap me.
1: yourself on an American flag? Will you say that?
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. Wait till, wait till we tape next week. dyed well, my, <laughs> oh uh, my hair, red, white, and blue. Um, so cool. did return last week. He did make a difference immediately creating a really uh, excellent opportunity for Kane that he buried in the lower corner in a clinical fashion. He does make a huge difference for them and he gives them a dash of hope for the restart, but they need the break uh, more than any team besides Chelsea and just having him back out there for a cameo isn't going to change the slide that they're in. So I think they're going to limp into the break. I think they're going to get a disappointing result. So shocking to you, I'm actually backing leads this week after giving them a hard time the last two times we covered them. And then for my prop, uh, we have talked a lot you know, in this last five minutes about how entertaining these games are. I think that trend's going to continue. So both the score is, yes, minus 150. It's not the... Greatest number in the world, but you expect more juice out of something that uh, where so much firepower is out on the pitch and so much defense, and Eric Dyer is also lacking here. It's kind of like Homer Simpson said about beer Leeds is like the cause of and solution to all of life's problems. Their style is going to lead to plenty of opportunities on both sides. Kane, I think, could easily get on the score sheet and not like either side is going to play a really compact, complex defense. So I think both of them are going to score, and I feel great about this number.
1: Yeah, and I mean, and our our friend of the pod, um, Ryan O'Hanlon, wrote a really great piece on ESPN about Leeds as well, where their goal is to play that style, to create chances, to make games higher scoring. They want that type of, of match. So, yes, Toby, come to the dark side. Goals, leads, all of it. I love it. Yeah,
0: well, I've got Star Spangled Banners started singing in my heart a little bit early, so it's (laughs) transferred over to Leeds. All right, let's get to the next one. We're halfway through our six matches. The next one is Liverpool, 8th at 19 points. Southampton, 18th at 12 points. This game is Saturday at 10 a.m., Liverpool is minus 430. Southampton is plus 1100. The draw is plus 500. Liverpool minus a goal and a half is minus 145. Southampton is plus 115. So, Brett, I don't know about you, but I was not blown away by Poole's performance last week. One goal was the outright gift from Dyer that we've already discussed where he headed the ball right into Salah's path, put a 1v1 versus Lloris. There was only one way that was going to end. The other one was (laughs) almost a semi-giveaway where – Saw is hanging out at the 10 yards center of the box and nobody bothers to close him down. So he just gets a quick uh, you know, turn and, and snap shot. And before you know it, it's, it's in the back of the net. Like, I can't believe this let the guy hang out in space when he's that deadly. They certainly paid the price for both of those mistakes. Um, they looked a, I don't know. Liverpool looked a little better in midfield. Like I was gonna, I was gonna say they looked a lot better, but I caught myself. I think they only looked a little better because it's hard to actually judge how anybody looks against Spurs, where they're so goddamn passive that uh, it's hard to see if, if if Liverpool's actually dictating it or the Spurs were just backing away. Yeah. Um, and so I wasn't blown away. I mean, like it was a great result for them. I had it in the five pint last week. I was more than happy to cash the te- the check. But looking at them versus Southampton and looking at that big a number minus one and a half. I mean, I, like, I, I can't stand to watch Southampton. I absolutely can't stand to watch them. But they've been repeatedly been playing games close on XG, even no matter what the score sheet said. The 4-1 loss against Newcastle, I was surprised to see when I looked at the underlying numbers. Southampton was 1.74 in XG. Newcastle was 0.86. So they doubled them up, even though they were down by three on the score sheet. They managed to draw against Arsenal, and they've only been truly dominated all season, besides the loss to Spurs on opening day, by Manchester City. And that's just true of basically everybody has gone against Manchester City. So mm-hmm. I don't love any of the numbers on here. I wouldn't back them with an actual bet, but because I always give a pick on this, having to make a choice, I think Southampton can keep it close again against a still underperforming Liverpool team. And I'll take them staying within one goal at 115.
1: Yeah, and, and um, I think this might change with Southampton. Uh, their players aren't going to get magically better, but they do have a new manager, uh, Nathan Jones, our boy, Ralph Hassanudel, Bon Voyage. Uh, thank you for your weird 9-0 defeats to different teams. Um, but but Jones is, is actually coming from Luton Town. Um, so Luton Town is like a pretty fun story. They made it uh, all the way up to six in the championship. They made the championship playoffs last year, which means they had a chance to go to the Premier League for the first time in their history, and they're doing it with the fourth lowest payroll in the championship. So you can imagine fourth lowest payroll in the championship versus what it's like playing against a Premier League team. Um, it was a pretty impressive accomplishment. And so Jones is very much in the newer school mode of like, they're going to look a lot like leads. They were very aggressive pressing. Uh, they had one of the highest passes per defensive action, which is a metric that is used to measure kind of like the intensity of a press. In the championship, and then Jones played a lot of really straight vertical passes when they regained possession, trying to play balls in the channels, trying to get guys after the they win the ball in advanced areas through and on goal. So they're going to play like a really fun, I think, aggressive uh, style. Um, it's going to probably lead to a lot of high variance, and I don't trust Liverpool to not let teams score anymore, <laughs> which is a very weird thing after a year ago. So my bets, I I, I did the coward thing again where I avoided the spread. Uh, and I took two props. I think the over of three and a half at minus one ten is a beauty. Um, and I also love Liverpool to win, but both teams to score at plus one fifty. I do think that with with Jones's ideas, if he can get them in in time, we are going to see a pretty fun up and down type of match. And I just have no faith anymore in Liverpool's defensive ability. The idea of like picking a Liverpool clean sheet after I probably picked like 20 of them last year is just like so like revolting to me at this point. I can't even, I don't even look at that line anymore. So I I really like that one. I think this actually may be a a fun thing for the Premier League to get another mid-table team that plays a more exciting style. Um, So I'll be interested to see what Nathan Jones does in Southampton. I'm finding you if you don't pick a line starting after the restart. I'll give so, you a
0: break today, but come on, man. Take a stand. Don't just take two props. I, you, it, I felt disgusted. My, my taking,
1: catchphrase is the coward's way out.
0: <laughs> take a I, stand. <laughs> I felt disgusted taking Southampton right there, but you know what? I did it. Come on. You're on a gambling show. Make a more, freaking big, more, Brett.
1: You are more man than me. I will give you that. You are oh. more man than me. Oh. Toby, Toby, you are the alpha. Oh my gosh. All right. Well, <laughs> I don't know if this
0: is an alpha pick or not, but it's one I like. It's a pure trend play, and sometimes I turn against trend plays when there's a managerial change, but this one just looks too good to, uh, to stay away from. Southampton, 10-plus shots is plus 120. They have hit this number in 11 of their last 13 games. The two exceptions were against Man City, where Pep just chokes the life out of everybody, and then West Ham where they had nine and almost got to 10. So to get a plus number when they always find a way to fire off 10 shots, we're not talking shots on target. We're just talking about them spraying and praying. They always seem to do it. uh, And I think getting a plus number is generous. And then you combine it with what you're discussing pools, dwindling ability to completely dictate the game and keep people away from the box where they can't fire off shots and you put the two together. And I love this bet.
1: Yeah. I mean, I'm all for this. (laughs) I, I think this game actually might turn out to be one of the most exciting ones of the weekend.
0: Cool. All right. Well, let us take one more break and Brett will be back with some more of his beta bets. Okay, it is officially 4.50 on Quentin Day with Vacation staring us down the face. I have no thoughts on any of these games, but I'm going to try to conjure some up since the mic is live, and I am apparently the alpha. Our last two games are Wolves, 19th at 10 points versus Arsenal, first at 34 points. Game is Saturday at 2.45 p.m. Arsenal is minus 185. Wolves is plus 490. The draw is plus 310. Caesars has Arsenal minus half a goal at minus 185 and the Wolves at plus 145. So, Brett, uh, Arsenal outright destroyed Chelsea last week, even though it was only 1-0. After the game, I saw one of the pundits call it a 1-0 hammering. And they were absolutely right. That's what it felt like. Chelsea never felt like they had a chance. They never mm. were able to get it together in attack. They weren't able to get it together in midfield. They, had, you know, Arsenal blew a couple of shots that probably could have uh, been put, you know, in better locations on the frame, and then it could have been a route. But Chelsea did not belong on the same pitch as Arsenal last week, as much as it pains me to say that. Meanwhile, Wolves are suddenly playing a bunch of high-scoring open matches that they are completely ill-suited to compete in. So I think putting you know those two uh, things together, that Arsenal is going to slice and dice them wide open, and my bets reflect that. I'm going to adjust that line up. I'm going to take Arsenal minus a goal and a half at plus 145 rather than at a half a goal at minus 185, and I'm taking them to keep a clean sheet on the other side. In fact, for my prop, I am combining the two, putting them together, having a little fun. Arsenal win by at least two and keeping a clean sheet. So a good team to do a great thing nets you plus two eighty.
1: All right. Well, first off we got to give a shout out to to Wolves new manager, Julian Lopetegui, uh, who has probably one of the greatest world cup stories ever in the fact that he was in Russia, I believe in 2018 when he announced that he was taking the real Madrid job and then Spain replaced him as their coach. Uh, So shout outs to him. That's legendary stuff. Um, but as far as this match, nothing about this match seems legendary to me. Wolves are very bland and very bad. You talk about what the world cup is going to be like for these players. Think of this Arsenal starting 11. Jesus and Martinelli and Gabriel are playing for Brazil, Ben White and Saka are going to be on England, and then you got Granite Shaka who's going to be a main cog for the Swiss. So it's like this is going to be a match where I could see Arsenal literally just pass the ball around for 90 minutes and not even try to score. Um, so the, I think this is going to be a super ugly match. And again, coward's way out. I picked a line, but you know what line it is then? It's the, the draw line at plus 310. Um, but I also, the, the one that I like the most in this match is the no on both teams' score is minus 105. Wolves' attack is pathetic. Arsenal has been hammering this kind of defensive slow paced possession style. They've been really good defensively as is. I think even if wolves win, it's going to be like a one nil fluke goal type of thing. And it's mostly going to be very hard for them to score. So I think an arsenal clean sheet is a great possibility. I just like this line. Cause I think it protects you from a result either way um, because I think nils in the score line for, for the losing team. So. I don't, I'm not super excited. This, this match, it, it could be awful to watch. Um, but I, I do kind of like that note about the scoreline.
0: Yeah. Well, I wonder how much it matters to Arsenal to win this game so they can go into the break top of the table. Cause well we they, think- they
1: kind of have to, right. You know, like, cause they, they are fighting for this premier league title and they're going to have to deal with Europa and the layoff of these guys uh, that are a bunch of these guys that are going to be playing for the world cup. So this seems like something that they can't let their foot off the gas. Like City can mail it in against Brentford. I don't think that's the case with Arsenal.
0: Well, City can mail it against Brentford and only win 2-0. I mean, that's just how <laughs> great true. the talent disparity is in that game. That's true. But I, I, if I was Arsenal, having the good vibes in my community and my fans and among the team and in that locker room, having six weeks to revel in the top of the table going into Boxing Day, Like, I think that's worth fighting for here. And, like, obviously, I'm not on the plane to the World Cup. Uh, That was a huge mistake by the U.S. You have not seen the right foot I possess. Um, But I would want to go after this and make sure that they stay top of the table for that break. And so I don't see them laying down quite as much as I see maybe some players on other teams laying down. And I think that they're going to find a way to get a result here and carry those good vibes into this long extended break.
1: Nothing wrong with that logic. All right, this is the
0: 459 game. Uh, Fulham, ninth at 19 points versus Manchester United, fifth at 23 points. This game is Sunday at 11:30 a.m. Manchester United is minus 116. Uh, Caesars has Fulham at plus 290, and the draw is plus 275. Manchester United minus half a goal is minus 125. Fulham is minus 105. Brett, I have nothing. I, I don't want to talk about this one.
1: You go first. and think. then I'll, I'll react. <laughs> All says this. The coward in me is just full on today. Couldn't figure this one out, especially with United just being so bland. Um, I, so here's where I ended: the draw plus two seventy five. But the bet I do like again is the prop. United is plus one eighty five for a clean sheet. So here are the two reasons why I think this is this is probably the best bet for this match. One. XG on off splits are super noisy, especially in very limited minutes, but with Casemiro on the pitch, United have only given up 0.94 XG against um, that's pretty good. That's like a leaped top of the table team defensive um, ability. <clears throat> so I, I just think that like this might be the start of like United having at least something they can lean on. Um and then, the, you, then you can turn around, though, and say, well, they just got smashed by Villa about 3-0. Villa scored those three goals on 0. 0.6 XG. So they massively picked out the corners and overperformed that match. And so I think you're actually getting a little bit of a discount on a clean sheet for United here because they've generally been good at Casemiro. They've generally been better defensively. I just think that's the best bet of this match. This is also another one. I will not be watching. I will be reading about World Cup rosters. That's what I'll yeah. be doing.
0: We will be texting back and forth probably throughout this entire match because I will be doing the same thing. Um, United were truly dreadful last week, and it's exactly what you would expect if you hand freaking Ronaldo their captain armband. Like, what are they doing? Like, uh, I guess I, don't know. I guess in England they teach Benedict Arnold was a hero. So <laughs> wh- what? The guy tried to quit on you. He walked up the tunnel. He was openly trying to leave your team. And three weeks later, he's the captain. What is Manchester United doing? They got exactly what they deserved. I don't care if it was overperformance or not. Like hubris like that deserves to get a beat down and they got one. That said, Somehow I'm taking them this week. I don't know why, Brett. I don't know. You must why. hate your, There must be I,
1: so much self-loathing right now on your end. Well,
0: <laughs> I watch. I watch Fulham without Mitrovic and short of getting yeah. a penalty kick, I don't see how they're going to score. Like I see that same yeah. clean sheet the way you do, and I think that we're, you know Manchester United could stumble into a goal, but backwards somehow and win one zero or two zero here. I mean, we don't see it that differently, but I don't see the reverse without Mitrovic and watching them not being able to do anything and gets a man down and not. Uh, um having a you know, their their talisman in the lineup, I I could see Way more scenarios where Manchester United gets undeserved three points here than Fulham gets one. So I've got to take the money line at minus one sixteen. But all that said, with what what both of our analysis leads to, my favorite bet of this game by far is the under two and a half goals plus one twenty five. Absolutely. If we don't see how Fulham's going to score, and we're not that all that confident in the Ronaldo led United attack, or you know, Sancho like brooding out there after being left off of england despite being such a high profile signing two years ago like i don't i don't have a great confidence they're going to roll out like a three nil victory here or two one so getting a plus number on the under 2.5 feels like stealing
1: as someone who uh endured the marco silva era actually that was uh kind of what am saying they finished eighth like that was amazing for everton um uh, <laughs> But as someone who has watched a lot of extremely boring Everton Manchester United matches during the Michael Silva era, I rubber stamp anything that is for goals not being scored. Yeah. Well,
0: we've done it, Brett. I know this wasn't our most exciting show that we've ever done, but we are just saving it for next week because we are going to be so over the top for the World Cup. And It's getting the last, last bit of energy, conserving it, and then it's going to be like a three-minute long yes to open the next show. Um, <laughs> but we do have one last bit of business, so let's get to the five pint and then let us get to our World Cup prep. God, that sentence feels good. Uh, <laughs> last week in the five-pint, both of us were plus betters. Uh, we were almost dead even, actually. I was at 6.6. You're at 6.5. So we uh, both turned a profit last neck week. Neck and, and neck, we, baby. We, right, neck and neck, heading into week two in November. I am going to stack my final pints of November in Premier League, though we'll be betting on the World Cup as well. I'm stacking them first behind Tottenham and Leeds, both to score the yes, minus 150, a little bit of a conservative start at, um, at one pint. Southampton, 10-plus shots, plus 120 is it one pint. Newcastle win, plus the over 2.5 goals versus Chelsea, as we discussed, is plus 245. I'm going to take that one for a pint and try to get the jump on you. Arsenal minus a goal and a half is plus 145, adjusting that line up for one pint. And I'm staring at the last one, Brett. I'm staring at it. I'm pivoting, oh. I'm pivoting. I'm not He's taking pivoting. the city. I'm not, I'm not taking the city game. I am going to bet on the Suck Fest on Sunday morning, <laughs> under 2.5 goals, Manchester suck United mess. Fulham full plus 125.
1: Uh, getting distracted here. I can't even, I can't even focus on what our picks are. Um, all right, Suckfest aside. Uh mine are mine are gonna be simple. It's it's just three this week. Uh it's Wolves Arsenal, no both to score minus 105 for one. I'm going, it's it's gotta be Leeds. Leeds gotta be in there. First goal, Leeds, plus 180 for one, and then everything else is, is gonna be on the same one, my favorite one of the week. Liverpool to win, but both teams to score in the Southampton match, plus 150 for three pints. Wow. So when that match is nil-nil. I will be feeling real good, oh my gosh, all right,
0: well, I would fade that one if I were you anybody's that confident in anything you gotta go on the other side um but we talked about it enough, guys. We appreciate you staying with us for this show. We hope that you enjoy the weekend. It's kind of like a bad day. Golfins, better than a good day at work. A bad day in the Premier League while everybody's getting ready to jump on the plane to the Middle East is better than a good day watching almost anything else. So we hope that you enjoy those matches. And then next week, uh, Brett and I will be first joining Against All Odds. We'll be joining Sal and the group to do a World Cup preview. And then we will be back right here on this feed talking about the entire World Cup, talking about future talking about group props, talking about player props, and giving our thoughts on the first set of games, including the USA opener on uh, Monday the 21st. I believe that's 2 p.m. Eastern. I've already blocked off my calendar for the entire day to get emotionally ready, spiritually prepared for the return of the red, white, and blue to the world stage. I'm going to give it on the way out, Brett. That's how excited I am. (laughs) Yeah! It's World Cup time! (laughs) We will see you here next week. Thanks for joining us.
1: Take care, y'all.